We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There goes Young, the throw from Piazza. Oh, boy, he had a funny slide into second. I hope he's all right. He kind of slid wide of the bag to try to avoid the tag. And Eli gets up. Okay. Whoa. Just tied the modern major league record of six stolen bases by Otis Nixon. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Strowski, Barry Rosner, final couple hours of the baseball season for us here on 670 The Score. You, you couldn't find any EY errors? That's why they called them E4 in Colorado, Eli. I couldn't find any errors, just the stolen base. I, you, do you want to know the conversation I just had in that room no, with him? No, you can't. It was about that. You said the same thing? He was pulling up the highlight. I said, get an error. We just said E4. Right, right to the end, Eli. That's why right he's the, the best in the business. So, well, there's not a Cubs one. It doesn't have to be a Cub. He played for a lot of teams. They called him E4. In Colorado instead See, of E1. He's wearing a Rocky shirt. That's why he wanted it. See that? The day, the day they fall out of first place. 312-644-6767. Why the hate? That's all I'm going to say. Just stop. You just stop. Because it's, it's just it's too easy. It's t- too easy, Eli. Stating facts. What happened? Why the hate? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Let's get a couple calls in, Joe. These yeah. poor people have been holding for so long. David in Highland Park, you're on hit and run. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to ask you a question. I want to give you a scenario and tell me what you think. Sure. I heard you say, "Oh, the Cubs are going to win the division uh, uh, multiple times." Like it's a, and they have fourteen games left. The Brewers got, I think, thirteen with a two-and-a-half-game lead today before today's start of, of their games. Now, anything can happen, and we've seen things happen in baseball with teams with leads like this, with, uh, uh, you know, this, 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 these remaining games left. But I understand, I think you're basing this on the Cubs' schedule remaining what's left, right? Why are you saying that? Well, also, no head-to-head games. Yeah. I, I kind of thought that's why you were saying that. They're not playing a, a lot of tough competition except for the – uh, Arizona Diamondbacks coming up. That probably be the toughest teams left. White Sox and all that don't, really don't play a part in this. Even though they could, they could still Cubs could still lose a few of these games, and the Brewers could, could maybe win a few more. And then you have a, a you know, the, the Cubs would be the wild card. If the Brewers and the Cubs meet uh, to play each other, how would you feel about that in the uh, in the NL uh, NLC? Sure, NLDS. I mean NLDS. Thanks for your call, David. In terms of a matchup of those two teams, uh, I, I I like the Cubs pitching, that's for sure, over the Brewers pitching. I wouldn't feel com- I'd feel too comfortable if I was the Cubs. Well, I mean, the, the well, the Brewers are they're crushing the baseball right now. Well, and but, there's this guy, Josh Hader, that struck out nine guys, mm-hmm. and he got nine outs. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good playoff weapon. 
Yeah. It's a pretty good playoff but, weapon. Okay. But they have to they've got to win their wild card game. Right. They, they still do. have to do that. Let's say that's the scenario. Okay. Now you're setting up your rotation. You're able to. You won the division. You have a few days off. That's a big assumption at this I, point, but I, you're you're making that one. I know. Okay. Two and a half game lead. Well, and the good news is you got the car you got the Sox next weekend, and then you got the Cardinals the last weekend. The Cardinals seemingly eliminated themselves yesterday. Okay. It feels like it. When you're setting up that rotation, a lot of people will be debating whether or not you have Lester or Hamels the way he has pitched since he got here. Who should be the one? I'm asking you, where do you slot in Jose Quintana? Does he if, deserve to be in one of the top two spots against the Brewers? If it's the Brewers? Yes, that's that's the scenario. If it's Correct. the Brewers, I would consider starting him in game one. Yeah, how about it? And that's, listen, you're talking about, this is not... Uh, it's a large th- sample th- size. Th- this, this is not a small sample size, and these are not guys who take something like that lightly. Mm-hmm. We see it every day. A lot of times, uh, I'll see a decision in the lineup, and I start looking up numbers. I'm like, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? A lot of times, it's head-to-head, and on a much smaller sample size than Quintana against the Brewers. Listen, there are a lot of managers in baseball who get an awful lot of help from their front offices. And I don't believe that there's a lot of front offices that literally make out the lineup card for the manager but there are a lot of front offices that are having those conversations with managers every single day. And the smart managers are asking a lot of questions. Why should we do this? Why do you want to do that? What makes sense? I was kidding about the Cardinals, by the way, before the Cardinals fans lose their minds. They're only a half game behind the Rockies for the second wild card as of this morning. Uh, but they are not playing well. The Cardinals got extremely hot, and you see that they've cooled off. Same could happen to the Brewers. The um, the smart managers do that every day. What, Eli? What? It was literally just adjusting my seat. Is that all you were adjusting? You were making a face. Go go ahead. Go ahead. The, the smart managers are asking those questions every day, and they're using that yeah. information to their advantage, Joe. And it's, you know, now there's more to it. There's a lot more to it. It is not as simple as a number because there's always the risk of, of convincing, you know how we talk about self-fulfilling prophecies in terms of starting pitchers and the way that they've now been taught and now yeah. believe that there's no way they can get through the order a third time? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've taught them that, so they believe it. I mean, yeah. okay, good. That's what you decided that was it, and that's what it is. So no one even tries. They don't know how to manage a game so that they can get through an order a third time. Well, if you keep telling a guy that you can't hit this pitcher or you keep telling a guy that you can't hit lefties or you keep telling a guy that this is – well, guess what? He's not going to be able to do it. And pretty soon you're not going to have that option anymore. So there are times of year where you go, okay, I can't, I can't do this. I just can't do it. Look, I know this guy can't hit him. I can't play him. There are times a year for that. But that's not something – if you do that in April, like Gabe Kapler was doing, yeah. you run the risk of losing a guy. So there are the, it's not entirely – a numbers game still, even as even as much as we might want to believe it is. That's the guy that you would want to go twice if we were going to go to a deep series. Here are Quintana's numbers in his career against the Brewers. Ten starts, an ERA of 1-6-0. 67 and a third innings. He has 63 strikeouts, 15 walks. His whip, 10 starts, .817. Point eight one seven. 
I wouldn't hesitate. Right? I would not hesitate to get him to get him. It looks like a gamble, but is it really? No. 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 And especially if if he throws over these next two weeks the way he has his last two or three starts, then you got a hot guy. You got the guy you gave up a lot to get, and you take advantage of that. John in Rolling Meadows, thank you for holding. Good morning, and welcome to Hit and Run. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, I looked at my picks before the season started. To tell you the truth, the National League picks that I made, I threw out. Because there (laughs) isn't a team in the National League right now that's in first place that might not be there at the end of the year. I'm calling about the MVP race. Okay. And um, the thing with Baez that uh, I, the only reason I don't see him getting it, the only reason is that he plays four different positions. Look at Arenado. Arenado last year, in my estimation, he should have won it. I think Arenado, numbers-wise, deserves it this year. He's the best third baseman right now. In the game, bar none, at his position, I I think he'll win the National League, the American League. You're looking at a guy that could win the Triple Crown in Martinez. That's the kind of season he's having. I, I would say right now Martinez has probably been picked to win that already. The National League, it'll be interesting because you've got Freeman, too. He's having a good year, and his ball club's in first place, so... That's a toss-up. But in the American League, I like J.D. Thanks for the call, John. I appreciate you holding as well. And I look, I picked Arenado before the season, and I'm a big Nolan Arenado fan. I mean, nobody likes him more than I do. Uh, But I believe Javi Baez is the NL MVP, and right now I think he's the leader. He needs probably two more, like, signature days. He needs two more Baez games, like the one he had Thursday in Washington. He needs two more of those. He does that. He's the NL MVP. He, uh, what John said about him playing all these different positions and being punished for that is probably true. You would hope that the voters are really watching games. If they're really watching games, then they realize the impact he has on every single game, on the bases, in the field, and at the plate. Because on the days when he doesn't hit, I guarantee you he's affecting the game in the field and on the bases. Guarantee you. If you watch every game, you know that. If you're a Cub fan, you know that. It's not a surprise to you. You hope the voters are aware of that, and you hope that he doesn't get punished for being great at three positions because he'd be winning a gold glove at any position he'd be playing if he were playing one. So we've been talking about the same names much of the season. Uh, Baez, Carpenter for a lot of the year. Carpenter had a great run, but the yeah. Cardinals have fallen back, and he's been quiet. We, we've mentioned Goldschmidt. We've mentioned Freddie Freeman. But there's another name that's in the mix that wasn't around much Yelich. of this season. Yelich, Yelich is yeah. – boy, you can make the argument. But yeah, if the Cubs win this division and have the best record in the National League and their numbers are pretty close, and in spite of a great run that, it's, that he's had over the last month, Yelich, and I'm not disputing that. Yeah. Um, if it, you know, if the tiebreaker as a voter is it, is it? That's uh, because you you are a voter of a lot of awards. You're a Hall of Fame I, voter, but or you've been. I'm saying, yeah. Um, 
you know how some of these other guys think because you know a lot of guys that cover the sport mm-hmm. over the years and yeah. and how they how they think when it comes to tiebreakers. Still in 2018, is the team record a tiebreaker? Well, I think you know. Look, we uh, I believe enough of the voters are in to the advanced metrics to to take them seriously. I think the problem with it is he bias doesn't get enough credit in any defensive metric. Yes. And I don't know exactly what the reason for that is. There's a fascinating story on Fangraphs uh, a week or two ago about his base running. And I read it three times, and it still really wasn't clear whether they came to any conclusions on it or not, and I don't think they really did. They really couldn't completely quantify it. What they did what they did decide was, look, he, he affects throws on the bases because he is so good a base runner. Mm-hmm. Um, how much that's worth, perhaps somewhere between a half a win above replacement to a win, which is considerable. Um, I don't think that's weighted enough. I don't think that's fair enough because if you watch the games, you know how many games he's affected with his ba- just with his base running. In terms of, in terms of defensive runs saved, um, it's just not showing up. I know. It's just not showing up, and that can't possibly be right. Like it does with Russell. Um, you know, but if you – I want to get into outs above average later, which is another one. Um, and that that suggests some, some completely th- different things in terms of what you believe teams are capable of today. I mean, they've got – outs above average have the Phillies – maybe not the Phillies. Maybe it's the Brewers as an above average defensive team. I watch the Brewers every day. They're an awful defensive team. I mean, it's it's so I I just don't think, and I'm not picking on the metrics people here. I just don't believe that there's a reasonable defensive metric that fairly sums up what Javi Baez does. I just don't think it's fair. There's probably going to be four so, or five guys in the National League that get first place votes. So it's going to be one of those Agreed. years where it's a low number that ends up winning. I think he needs a run over these last couple of weeks. Hitting some bombs out. Yeah. Because a lot of times that ends up being a tiebreaker. People start yeah. gravitating towards the home run. He's, he's in the middle of the pack. He's ahead of Yelich by, I believe, one. He's behind Arenado. And then you have the course field effect. And how much are people going to put that into the conversation? He's behind by Carpenter by four. Carpenter is 35. I think, it, I think it's very, very close. I, I yeah. think it's very close between so close. Baez, Freeman, Yelich, Arenado, Carpenter. Yep. Braves are and, winning the East. And maybe maybe even, who knows, maybe even Lorenzo Cain gets some consideration. Mm. So I think it's really, really close. But I think if it, if it ended today, I think Baez is the winner. I think he just needs, he needs two, high, he needs two, two big highlights yeah. down the stretch here. And then the Cubs got to do what they're supposed to do. And then I do believe, to answer your original question, I do believe that if I were sitting in that position and it were that close between all these teams, I would say, look, Cubs are the best team. He's been the best player on the best team in the National League. And they've won their division despite all of the injuries. And who who who's carried him more than he has? You know what it might be? It might come down to two weeks. Baez, Carpenter. If Baez has a fantastic series, could be. If you, Carpenter oh, the last weekend has, of the series. Yeah, exactly. If Carpenter goes nuts, like we've seen him do against the Cubs many, many times. It might and, go to him. And it had an impact. It would have to have an impact at that point. For a playoff spot? 
an impact for either one way or the other, either to you know severely hurt the Cubs or or seriously help the Cardinals. If Carpenter goes on a run, knocks out the Rockies, Arenado might be knocked out. Yeah, to be determined. Absolutely, absolutely. Like the Cubs bullpen. Um, baseball fans, we ha- we haven't heard from you uh, uh, from a national perspective. White Sox fans, we haven't heard from you yet. As you look at uh, what Lopez did yesterday, what he's done over the last five starts, really you could almost say eight starts, uh, take away one or two, he's gotten it back together after some some difficult times. Lucas Giolito, after the um, the curse of Eli, Eli desperate to get him on the show. Eli ruined him for a start. <laughs> I know he did. But he bounced back with a good one. He's had a really good couple months. Rodon, you know what he's done. There's an awful lot to look forward to there. If I were a White Sox fan, I'd be pretty optimistic, especially given what you know is coming. Given all, and while the injuries, while unsettling, you still have to look at all these players and say, in spite of all of those injuries, there's an awful lot to look forward to. I would think, I mean, look, two years in, and I, I, I wouldn't make a habit of comparing it to the Royals or the Cubs or the Astros or anybody else, but I would say after two years, they're in pretty good shape. Let's, let's, let's knock the White Sox a little bit. Well, that really wasn't what we were doing, dog. That wasn't, that wasn't the point. We got to get to some phone calls. We got to get to Mad Dog. I have, I have that raise item I wanted to get to and the Ryan Braun thing. Bruce Levine, 1040. We also have the fabulous... Laz Diaz stuff. We'll do all that next on Hit and Run on the Score. Going to the secondary pitch. There's the slider, and it was a dandy. Tight spin, late break, and Beckham down on strike. You know, we've seen a slider from Lopez that has been predominantly horizontal. That that was massive drop. No, that was that was a good one. I think he can make it do a couple of different things. 45 strikes and 60 pitches. That is really unusual for Ronaldo. And the last three starts, I mean, this is this is what we're getting the last three starts. Nobody is touching him because he's getting everything in the zone and the stuff is just exploding. If I pitch, can you catch? Will you hold the ball? When you step to the plate, will you swing and fall? If you play... Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you until noon. (laughs) Analysis from Steve Stone, courtesy of, which which is it, Eli? You changed your mind there. WGN Television. Thank you. Eli, just killing it all the way to the end. All the way to the very end. Very, Very good, killing it. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern football coach Fitz and Chicago's Big Ten team hosts Nebraska and Wisconsin next month. Limited tickets remain by now at anysports.com. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Uh, let's uh, squeeze in a couple of calls here. Bruce Levine coming up at 1040. Mike in Glencoe, you're on Hit and Run. Hey, Mike. Hey, uh, Barry. And, uh, you had asked about Sox fans being optimistic. Yeah. And- Yes, Giolito and Lopez are looking great, but I think if you ask the average Sox fan, the Kopech injury just kind of kicked the air out of most of us. Not because it, you weren't surprised that it happened, but because it demonstrated just how fragile mm. 
this rebuild is, and it's going to be 2020, I think, realistically. So it just kind of sets you back and saying this is, you know, the kids are in double A who are going to make the difference or single A. And the other thing is they had to, just had to nail the Chris Sale deal. I mean, the guys will have had three or four years in Boston, and they didn't nail it. Um, and Mancada is batting 228 with two strikeouts, and I get he's a young kid, but I think those are the two reasons why I think the average Sox fan is not optimistic at this point. Can it change? Yes. But is the, is the arrow pointing up? Um, just look at the arrow on the outside of the ballpark. Uh, it's it's discouraging. So, but, my, 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 Mike, let me ask you: When you say twenty twenty is it? What do you mean by it? What, what do you what do you when, hope for? When, when when they are competitive, uh, if you look at most of the big players coming up, the strength you've got the Rutherfords, you've got the uh, Roberts, you've got the the kid they drafted this year who looks terrific. You've got um, all those guys are probably a double A or single A right here. They'll move up a notch, but will they appear into the majors until twenty twenty? That's probably when you will, you'll see them if then. So that means one more year of really rotten baseball, and then you've stacked up. What is it? Will it be eight, nine out of the last 10 years of rotten baseball? The Sox fans, and I'm 63, and I've lived through the worst years. At some point, you, you, you kill off the remaining core of the team of the fan base. It, it, that's what I worry about. Mike, were um, you, uh, could, I, could I start just a second? I'm just curious. Uh, it, you, you grouped all of those years together, yet the rebuild is two. It'll be three, if you're right, in that 2020, they're beginning to compete. But the way it was going before was not working particularly well. Did you think that that was a good way they were doing it before? I didn't, but then I looked to see, and, and with not being unduly criticism of Han, because I don't know who was calling the shots, mm-hmm. how do you not win when you had the kind of people that you had? That was not a bad roster, but it, it, but it was, what's the right word, desultory? It was just a boring team you added guys like pierre and and Dunn. that was terrible too the same guys are running the team and that's what i look for you you will have had essentially eight to ten years of the same guys running the team and rotten baseball for 10 years even the bill vec years weren't that bad uh and that's you know i go back to 68 69 70 when they were winning 50 games so it's just discouraging and you know it, it would be an irony if Jerry Reinsdorf, who saved the, the Sox for Chicago, his great legacy was his inability to build the fan base back up, uh, and his rebuild knocks it back down. That's what I worry about. Okay, thanks for your call. Hmm. I, I think um, I, I understand your skepticism in regards to the front office, but you have to you have to remember that the way they were going about trying to put competitive teams on the field every year was very different. So while Rick Hahn was not heavily involved in that, I shouldn't say he wasn't heavily involved. While he was not at the forefront then, and he was involved, the way they were going about it, and we've discussed this ad nauseum for the better part of a decade, is this attempt to try to win without really spending a lot of money uh, while going all in all the time, while adding aging veterans, while trying to catch lightning in a bottle, while trying to draft... Dump, dumping prospects in the middle of every season, yeah. Every single season yep. to get guys like James Shields. Yep. And, you know, when Tatis gets to the big leagues, mm-hmm. that one's going to hurt a lot. And there have been lots of those kinds of deals. Now, if you were in a... You know, had you been in rebuild mode, you wouldn't have made that deal. 
You wouldn't have given away a guy like that. And that one's going to hurt for a long time. The the criticism as it relates directly to Han, I believe, is unfair. Because he was simply, if if indeed he was deeply involved, he was simply following orders from ownership, which was that we're going to try to win, we're going to try to compete, but we're not, we say we're going all in, but we're not really going all in, and we're trying to sort of middle it. And we're going to draft guys who can get to the big leagues quickly. And it's just not a great plan for any sort of lasting success. What it is is it's an attempt to try to hit one quick and hope that it works. And then, you know, who knows? Next year, maybe we'll try to do it again. But since 2008, which was, some people would say, sort of a miracle season. And if you look at that roster, you, you know, you could you could make a case for that being something of a surprise. I the picked him that. The Griffey throw, too, is a miracle in itself. What's that? The Griffey throw to throw out Kadair. 163. Don't forget they had to win 162 on Monday. And that pitching staff was on fumes. I mean, outside of Danks, there wasn't a lot to speak of there. It was it was a really fun year. But since then, what'd you have? You had five months of 2012, five and a half months in 2012. How good was that team? How, how good really was that team? How many first round picks have they hit under Rick Hahn? Well, he's I mean, are you talking about since really he took over or since this rebuild started? Since he took over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, that that says everything. Well, the problem is, I mean, I would only go. I I would judge him by when he started the th- rebuild. That's the other problem. So that's when what, are we supposed? I mean, that's to... me. You can do. Look, as a Sox fan, you can do it any way you want to. Joe, you're free to do it any way you want to. Eli, yeah. same for you. I, I would start it with the rebuild because it's a different plan when you're drafting. To a guy who you think could be here in July or August like to help sale. you, right? It's a different. It's a whole. That's a different kind of program. You're looking at it a whole different way. I mean, think about that. How many teams in baseball would do that? What do you? I mean, and granted, that one worked out really nicely. But when you're when you're drafting specifically to try to get a guy here who can help you immediately, I mean, I, I Is know that the th- thing with Carson Fulmer. And I, I know baseball drafts, it's tough. I, I understand I understand everything he said there. Now, I'm completely behind the rebuild, behind their decisions. And it may work, it may not. But, boy. I, th- I think if you had asked Mike before Kopech got hurt. Different. He, right. he wouldn't have sounded as, as dismayed as he is today. And I know it hurts. I get it. If you're a Sox fan, I get it. That's a, that's a kick in the Sacagawea. I understand. I really do. But if it's it was going to happen, and you talk to people, they say it was going to happen. Better, let's do it right now. Yeah, better, let's, better let's now than right. in three years. The Blackhawks hit the ice at the United Center this fall with an exciting original six matchup as they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs on Sunday, October seventh. Great seats still available for the home opener and all season long. Come see Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, and Brent Seabrook skate with rising stars like Alex DeBrinkett and Nick Schmaltz. Visit ChicagoBlackhawks.com. Pick out your favorite games and purchase tickets to see your Blackhawks play now. When we come back, we will visit for Bruce Levine one last time. John in Dallas, if you want to hang on, we'll get to you top of the hour. We have a lot to get to in the final hour, and we will get to all the things we promise. Because don't we do that every week? I think we do. Right here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you until noon. 
being cute now. Now he's turning it up really. Now he's turning it down. Okay, I see what you're doing. Boys, Bruce going to have his way with you. Right now, it's time to go out to the score hotline where we're joined by score baseball insider Bruce Devine. You hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. You can follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, and you hear him every Sunday on Hit and Run, sometimes with music, sometimes without. But we're always glad he's here. Good morning. Oh, Eli. Good morning, Eli. Bruce. Eli's getting his last shot in, isn't he? Yeah, he he can't he can't help himself. You know, he He's a different guy, Bruce. He's challenged in many ways. Yeah. What can you do? What can you do, Bruce? You do the best you can, right, Bruce, with what you're given? You know, Eli's one of the most hardworking people I've ever seen in this business. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, you know, he needs help. (laughs) Speaking of getting help, Bruce, I don't think we could let your last appearance of 2018 with us go without revisiting Mother's Day and uh, that momentous occasion when you when you went out to brunch with <laughs> with your ex-wife, your girlfriend, and your daughter, got flowers for everybody, bought them all. I shouldn't say lunch. I think it was dinner. He bought them all dinner. <laughs> Explain again how that how that was possible. Well, it's it's because of the, the type of person I am. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm demented. And I look for trouble, and I often find it. And uh, I certainly found it that night. But uh, they're all the most meaningful people in my life. My ex-wife is one of my very best friends in the world. And uh, my daughter, obviously, you know, and my girlfriend is one of the most understanding people in the world. So with all that involved, they just took turns beating me up. And, you know, I took it. I, You know, I, I kind of looked like, you know... Dwayne Bobbick after, you know, getting beat up, you know, back in the day. But nonetheless, it was uh, it was uh, cathartic and it was important. And, you know, there, there's no more important day than Mother's Day when it comes to to women other than their birthdays. And, um, you know, I took it I took it like a man. Well, it's nice when people have something in common. And in that case, uh, being able to pound on you was uh, what they had. So nice. I mean, that, that's that's our role. I mean, you, you have three women, you know, from time to time with your two daughters and, and your wife and your house. And, you know, you, you're, the, you're the punching bag, you know. I mean, when things go wrong, you're, you're there for them to take it out on. And that's the beautiful thing about uh, being there for your family. Yeah, the last time I was right was never. And uh, <laughs> I, w- I, w- I wouldn't imagine that will change anytime soon. Bruce, as you view the 2018 Chicago Cubs with two weeks left, what is your general feeling about, uh, about their posture heading into the postseason? Well, I think they've been the most resilient team in baseball, and they have the most resilient manager. And I do have a vote this year for Baseball Writers Manager of the Year. And Joe Madden, whether he gets his team to win the um, division or he's in the playoffs or he's not in the playoffs, gets my vote as the Manager of the Year for uh, doing uh, with what he had better than anybody else. And I look at them as a team that is uh, playoff battle ready and ready to take on the best. And the most, the, the one thing that sticks out the most is when other teams are trying to hold back their starting pitchers and protect them, the Cubs starting pitchers 
seem to be in express mode and going forward and fresh and being able to throw 110 pitches. And I give Epstein Hoyer and uh, Hickey and, and Joe a tremendous amount of credit for two years in a row, slow rolling uh, the, the pitch counts on pitcher, starting pitchers in the first half and rolling into uh, fresher starting pitchers going into the second half of the season and into the playoffs. So if you want to have a strength going into the playoffs, it's certainly starting pitching. I think the Cubs have that in their league by far. What do you make of this bullpen right now? And it's a wait and see, obviously, with Morrow and Strope. And if they are healthy enough for them to pitch in the playoffs, we don't know at what level they're going to be. But just what are your overall thoughts on guys that Joe can trust right now? And that might change in a few days. Well, I think that there's a, a tremendous amount of um, belief in themselves in that bullpen. Even guys like Rosario, they're pick, picked up off waivers and, you know, guys that you would never expect to be on this team. Wilson stepping up and having a tremendous season here, albeit, you know, forget about the Harper home run. He, he's the, the best pitcher in the National League as far as inherited runners not scoring. Uh, I, I think, you know, they're tremendously resilient in that bullpen. It's not, you know, you certainly don't have Strope at the end. You don't have Morrow. You're probably not going to have Morrow uh, at his best at the end anytime uh, going into the end of the season here or into the playoffs. But um, other than Carl Edwards, which is Joel's, Joe's goal to get straightened out, I think you have a competent group of uh, pitchers that go out there unafraid every day and will tackle any role that Joe gives them. And even though it's a roller coaster ride for Cub fans' stomachs and front office stomachs, um, they're managing to get the job done somehow. And I, I think it's fun to watch. I, I love a pennant race. I love watching uh, the Cubs playing meaningful baseball or any Chicago team playing meaningful baseball this time of year. And uh, the fact that you know, everybody's spoiled with the fact that they're on their way to the fourth straight playoff run. Um, I, I've really enjoyed this year because they've done it without two main starting pitchers that they started the season with. They've done it predominantly without Chris Bryant, who's an MVP candidate every year for most of the season. Uh, they, they're now doing it without their back end of their uh, bullpen. And it's just, it's fun to watch. It's appointment TV, radio on the score during all the games, you know, every day. Uh, I, I don't think it can get any better going into uh, late September into early October. Yeah, there are a lot of names there that they picked up for just about nothing on this roster that they might be trusting a lot in a couple of weeks. But what about a, a name that we knew, but he's also a new guy and hasn't pitched very well, Kinsler. What do you think his role is moving forward? I don't know. You know, filler. He's, he's a filler. I, Joe can't trust him to, uh, you know, be in the eighth or ninth inning. He's a sixth and seventh inning guy trying to get a bridge. You know, he just hasn't been good. I mean, he just has gotten hit a lot, walked people. Uh, but, you know, knowing Joe, the, the, the one trait that is his best is um, he forgets about yesterday and he puts you in a position to try to help the next day. And some of it is by design. A lot of it's by design. Some of it's been through desperation uh, because of the fact that the numbers have caught up to them. The, the games in a row scheduled 30 through Wednesday has been ridiculous. Major League Baseball should be ashamed of themselves for uh, the way they schedule teams in September. Uh, they, they have to take a, a better look at how they handle these situations when you want your 
your best teams, your best players to be playing at their best going into the playoffs. Uh, this is not the way it should be written up, especially with NFL starting and hockey starting, NBA around the corner. You want your you want your teams to be playing at the very best at their highest level, and uh, this is hardly the way to get it done. Bruce, I asked Joe about a couple of guys yesterday, uh, Jaime Garcia and Justin Wilson. The reason I brought up Garcia, not to make too much of what he did Friday, but it was really good, and I had in my mind McCullers, Peacock, and Morton and what they did in very long mm-hmm. relief in huge situations for Houston last year. Is it possible that Garcia could develop into one of those guys? Am I really reaching here? And on Wilson, when I asked him about whether he could potentially close, he he talked a lot about the matchups yesterday and why he went with them in the eighth inning. And I'm just wondering if, and Joe's a feel guy, and I wonder if he just feels like, look, he's really successful in this eighth inning role. I don't want to mess with that right now. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, uh, your instincts were right, Barry. He's inching toward it. And because he was, he was traded to be, come in here as a partner closer to Davis last year, and it didn't work out at all. I mean, he walked the ballpark yeah. every time he got out there. Um, he, he's inching closer to it. And, and as you saw yesterday, he had three closers in the ninth inning, right? He, he matched up yep. three different players, and he got the job done. He with his usual magic act of getting one out with one pitch. You know, I, I kidded him about, yeah, that was your plan, go in there, jam uh, – the, the top home run hitter in the National League and get him the ground out in the first pitch. He said, yeah, it worked to perfection. It, it, it's fun. But, you know, in reality, I, I, I don't know how he's going to go on a given day. You can't tell me who he's going to use uh, at the end of the game. Today. No idea. It's going no to be matchup. It's going to be matchups and who's fresh. I mean, you know, again, it could be C-Shack, but if it's, you know, if, if it's top left-handed hitters that, you know, the Reds are putting out there in the ninth inning, you know, it could be Wilson. Uh, I think it's it's exciting to watch. It really is. Uh, as a baseball fan, you you have you have to love watching the Cubs and see how they're trying to persevere through this. And, and on Garcia, you think there's potential there for maybe some long? Yeah, I long... think there is. I mean, because it's not like a guy that hasn't been successful in, in the big leagues before. If, if he's healthy and he can uh, he can go to the post three or four times a week as a reliever be a huge plus. It's a left-handed arm, and it's a guy that, you know, we know he can. He knows how to get people out. He might not throw 95, but but he knows how to change speeds and get people out. And if you, if, if you turn yourself into a funky left-hander at this point, can do nothing but help them out. Bruce says year two of the White Sox rebuild comes to a close. Do you think they are ahead, behind, or on schedule? You know what? Tell me where Giolito and Lopez end up this year. Okay, and how your baseball eye, Joe, sees them and perceives them. If they're perceived as having a successful year in player development, I think that they're right on schedule. Because to me, everybody's looking at Eloy and the position players like Anderson and Mankata and going, gee, uh, you know, uh, we can't project them uh, being stars or carrying this team yet. But in, in reality, this team can take a huge step up just by the starting pitching. Imagine next August that you have Rodon Giolito Lopez pitching at a, a very good level and Dylan Cease, who arguably could be the best-looking young pitcher in the minor leagues coming up in August and being a part of that rotation. Then, then you, have, you have something that you can build upon to where you're competitive uh, very quickly with a, a rotation like that. 
do you think uh, Lopez is going to be there? Do you think Giolito is going to be there? You know, do you think you know Kobe is going to step up? Uh, they have a lot, a lot of ground to cover. But if they go into the off season and they make Manny Machado their number one guy to go after and give them a, try to give them a three three hundred fifty million dollar contract, uh, that that's the kicking off point for the Chicago White Sox is what they can do in the off season here, how they identify a signature player for the future at age twenty seven. You know, Machado to me would be the guy for them to build the, their guys like Lopez and Anderson and Mancada and, uh, you know, uh, Robert coming up eventually. That, that would be the place to go. But starting pitching can get you there much quicker than, than you think. As far as looking at this year, Joe, directly, um, it, it's been a mishmash. Uh, it, it's hard to say that Mancada has grown into the player they thought he would in his uh, second year, first full year. Uh, it's hard to say where Anderson's at bat at. Is he a starting shortstop? I think he's going to be a 25, 30, you know, 60 extra base hit guy. Athletically, you know, I don't know if he's a shortstop or he's an outfielder. There's things they have to uh, they have to look at. But, you know, looking at Madrigal uh, coming up uh, and seeing how quickly he gets there, I, I think the Sox can be there quicker than you think. But off of this year, you know, you it has not been a tremendous year for them as far as development goes. Bruce, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being a part of this show. Thank you for always making time for us and for always your valuable wisdom. Uh, we have enjoyed it, and we appreciate it. Guys, It's uh, I look forward to it every Sunday because all we do is talk live, talk baseball, and have a good time. And really, isn't that what it's all about? Guys, have a great off season. Hopefully we'll do it again next year. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks, take, Bruce. Take care. Score baseball insider Bruce Levine. You hear him. Thoughts every, on him for a sec. Go ahead. You hear him every Saturday morning on Inside the Clubhouse and always here on Hit and Run. All right. When we come back in the final hour, your phone calls. Uh, we have to get to uh, Laz Diaz, who's lost his mind. There's more Mad Dog. We have a montage of supposed best of that oh, he, boy. Eli put together. It's he, fantastic. He says it he's really also is. got a surprise for us. I have a Ryan Braun thing I need to get to. Yeah, he's been and, sitting there for three weeks. Uh, maybe longer. <laughs> and a raise item. And uh, we haven't mentioned, uh, we haven't gotten to the Victor Caratini stuff. And I'm glad Bruce mentioned Tim Anderson because I want to talk about him as well. We'll do all that in the final hour of Hit and Run for 2018 here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.